Hey, welcome to Westside Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. Here at Westside, we're all about equipping believers to succeed in life and mature in Christ as they reach, win, and disciple others. In just a moment, you're going to hear an encouraging message. But before we get into it, if we can serve you in any way by helping you grow in your walk with God, we want to connect with you at wcspokane.com slash connect. Fill that out and someone from our team will reach out to you. Now let's get ready to study the word together. Uh, once again, I have to um, preface this message <laughs> um, to make sure that everybody understands what my heart is. Uh, you have to understand my heart in, in preaching about families and marriage and the biblical way to do, to do family, to do things right, is uh, there's no malice in my heart at all. There's no anger, hurt, hate. There's, it's, it's not in there. My heart for this, uh, for us as a, body, as a body, as Christians, is that we hear the truth and understand the truth so we can convey the truth in a loving way because the world is desperate and hungry for truth. They are. And so there, there is no hate in my heart at all. The only things that I hate are the things that God hates. I hate sin, and I hate the enemy and the works that he does. That's what, that's what we are allowed to hate as believers. We can absolutely abhor and hate sin and hate the works of the devil. Yep. Amen? But that does not mean we hate people. We love people, don't we? I mean, can we honestly say that? We have to be, be very open about this, that if you don't believe the way that I believe or the way that the Bible says... Uh, that, that men and women should walk and act and live, then that is your choice. But that doesn't mean I hate you. I just disagree with you. Disagreement is not hate. And the world has twisted this, that if I don't condone your ideology, if I don't condone what you believe and support you in every possible way, then in some shape or form, I hate you. And that is not true. Amen. It's not true. The love tells people the truth in a loving way. Yes? So it's important that we understand that, that, that there are millions and millions of people that have come to reject the devil and his way of doing things because believers stood up for what was right and spoke the truth. And, then, and their lives changed dramatically, transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit for God's glory. And a whole generation was changed because somebody said, what you're doing isn't right and it doesn't work. But if you'll do it God's way, watch how good it is. Are you hearing me? Somebody has to be willing to say these words. Not just me, but you, which is why I'm teaching and preaching on this so that it'll get in you so that you can dive deep into the love of God that shed abroad in your heart that's already there. So when these subjects come up, you can truthfully and honestly look someone in the eyes and they know that you care about them and you can still speak the truth and love into their lives. Amen? Amen. Now, specifically just with the, the alternative lifestyles that we see in our, in our culture, right? The LGBTQ, that whole... The, the, if you just look at statistics, the, the suicide rate and the depression rate and the pill on at medication rate and the alcoholism rate is, is way, way, way higher than everybody else. Four, five, six times higher than everybody else. And so, man, come on, we, we have a job to do to tell people the truth so that they can come in to the kingdom and know Jesus and his love for them. And there, we could go story after story after story of people that have found Jesus and turn their lives over to him and begin to do things God's way and just said, I had no idea you could have this kind of peace. I had no idea you could have this kind of life. I had no idea. I thought I was doomed to what I was facing for the rest of my life. And it's so good. But if nobody tells them the truth, how do they get there? Amen? Amen. So know my heart. Okay, a little recap. We talked over the last 
a couple of weeks on, on God's family plan. And that's our message this morning is, uh, is God's family plan and marriage and sex God's way. Yeehaw. So we talked about dating. Uh, and I won't go into this again. You got to watch back if you want to catch up with us. But we talked about dating, how it's not a biblical model. But if you want to get to know somebody, there are godly ways to do that. Amen. And then we're not to jump the gun on dating and try to come to oneness. What the Bible talks about, one flesh coming together. We don't do that early. We wait until marriage. I'm going to say it again. We wait until marriage to come together physically. Need a better amen, parents. <clears throat> we, we, need to, we need to model this and talk about it, even if you didn't do it right, even if you did it the worldly way. You have to be honest with your kids about the mistakes that you've made and the way you would have done it differently. It does not give them a license to do everything that you did when you're honest and open about how you lived. You tell them, listen, if God's way is better. I didn't do it God's way, right? You can tell them, like, I messed up. I've made some mistakes. I didn't do it God's way. But if you do, it's way, 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 way better. Okay. So talk about, talk about that with your kids. We talked about marriage God's way, that from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. He was not confused, and neither are we. Amen. Amen. It's a, marriage is between a man and a woman. That's how it works. That's how we procreate. That's how the race advances. That's how we're fruitful and multiply between man and a woman. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I love you guys too. <clears throat> it's not a government idea. It's God's way. That's it. That's it. Uh, we talked about unity and staying, t- staying in unity with one another. Husband and wife, staying in unity. That we, we don't allow stri- strife to get in between us. We don't allow division. We guard the unity and the oneness of our marriage. It's so important that we protect it above all costs. Amen. Because if we don't, our prayers will be hindered. Amen. And I don't want my prayers to be hindered. Do you? Amen. Come on, so you better get it right with your spouse. I'm telling you right, what? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We talked about Genesis 2.24, how a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. That if you're too close to your parents, listen to me, marrieds, if you're too close to your parents, it will produce problems in your marriage. As an example, you are telling your mom all the stuff that your husband has been doing to you, talking to you, saying to you. Your mom doesn't need all your details, okay? She gets highlights, and they're usually the good ones. Are you hearing me? So I said this before, I'm going to say it again, message to moms and dads with, with kids that are married, butt out. Butt out. Everybody good? Yay. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. We'll keep going. There's, I said more about that, but we, I'm not preaching that message. I'm preaching this message, and y'all want me to get to that anyway. Hurry up, preacher. Let's talk about what we came here for. Uh-huh. Godly marriages, right? We talked about wives submitting to their own husbands, that even if some that do not obey the word, they without a word will be won by the conduct of their wives. That's in 1 Peter 3, verse 3. Then verse 7 says, Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. And we talked about weaker vessel. This doesn't mean you're inferior. It just means typically, most of the time, the men are stronger. Honor your wife. Help her out, right? Run the wheelbarrow for crying out loud. Okay. Thank you, Lord. Ladies, tell your husbands you appreciate them, you're proud of them, they're good providers, good husbands, good fathers, and anything else that applies. Make sure you tell your husband that you're grateful for him and that you appreciate him. And all the women said? Amen. Amen. All the guys said? Yeah, let it be so, preacher. Let it be so. (laughs) 
Men, care for your wife. Tell her she's beautiful. She's a good mother. She's a good helper. Tell her she's a good partner. And that might be in crime. She might have helped you case the bank this week and found a couple cameras you didn't see. I don't know what you're doing. Tell her you appreciate her. Thank you, Lord. Turn over to Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5. God is good all the time. Thank you, Lord. He's helping us. Ephesians 5, verse 17. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Let's cover a few more marriage points that are important. Ephesians 5, verse 17. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Can you do this with your spouse? Absolutely. And should. Verse 20, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Now, verse 22, wives, submit yourselves or submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Now, your pages of your Bible should not be stuck together in here, right here. This this should be something that's worn out and open. And I realize so far that some of the ladies aren't super excited about what God had to say right here. But just just stay with me, because God has it figured out. Amen? He's He's got marriage figured out. Thank you, Lord. He doesn't quit there because right after he says, so let wives be subject to their own husband or wives be, so let wives be to their own husbands and everything as, as the church is subject to Christ. Verse 25 says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Husbands, make it easy on your wives to submit to your leadership by loving her. Amen? Amen. Come on, this is important. It's easy for the guys to say, submit to me. Woman, woman, you better submit to me. If you're saying that out loud to her, you are missing the whole point right here. (laughs) See, you don't read your spouse's part of this and then quote it back to them. That is not your job. I just read it right here, honey. Submit to me. No, you let her read that part and you read yours, fellas, which is husband's. Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. What have you sacrificed lately, fellas, for your wife? Come on, this is a good question to ask on a regular basis. We should it should be so sacrificial between husband and wife that both needs, both sets of needs are getting met because one is sacrificing for the other, at the same time the other one's sacrificing for the other. Right? Now I do not recommend this while you're trying to pick a place to eat. Lord have mercy. Somebody pick something for crying out loud. But when you're, when you're talking about back and forth in life and what you're giving and taking so that each is fulfilled and satisfied in your relationship together and with the Lord, come on, that's a big deal. We need to sacrifice and make commitments to each other that we're loving, husbands, we're loving our wives and wives, you're submitted to our leadership. It's way easier to love your wife when she's submitted to your leadership and respects you for who you are. It is. Ladies, it's way easy to submit and respect your husband when he's loving you like Christ loves the church. Is is that true? So that means somebody is going to have to be the big boy or the big girl and get it done. Step out. Take the first step. Well, I'll submit when he treats me good. Well, I'll love her when she respects me. Well, that's, you're just in a stalemate. 
Are you hearing me? Come on, you do your part. Let God work on them on theirs. Even if your spouse never does their part, you are still required to do yours. Okay, thank you, Jesus. I got one amen in the front row. And that's about what I expected. It's about what I expected. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 27. This is Jesus, that he may present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that they should... Uh, that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. I'm going to read that again. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Come on, how you take and nourish and care for yourself is the same way in which you should care for your wife. Think about her, care for her. Something going on in her life, it matters to you. Husbands, it matters to you. Because if your little toe's hurting or your elbow's hurting or your hip or your back's hurting, it matters to you. Amen? If your wife's hurting, it should matter to you. Thank you, Lord. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bone. For this reason, for this reason man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery. And I, but I speak according, or but I could speak concerning Christ in the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you, in particular, so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Amen. Thank you, Lord. It's right in the Bible. Everybody see that? I didn't make this up. This is Ephesians chapter five. Uh, if you're struggling in this area, I would just encourage you to read this. Get it in your heart. Get it in your spirit. Let the Holy Spirit just work on you, because your job is not to fix the other one. Your job is to be the best you you can be. Amen. And that's, that's what we're supposed to do. Thank you, Lord. Okay. Everybody still like me so far? I didn't even go to love. I just went to like. I'll just take a like at this point. Thank you, Lord. So we got to ask ourselves, where do we get our expectations for marriage? Did we get them from our parents? Because our parents being married for a long time is not good enough. That's not, that's not reason alone to admire your parents' relationship. There are lots of long-term marriages that are horrible. Amen. So, we, you know, we got to be careful where we're getting our definitions and our expectations for marriage. Are we getting it from step-parents, from broken homes, from TV, for crying out loud, from TV, from other friends' parents, from school media? Just because we don't have a good example of marriage does not mean we can't find it in the Word of God. Amen? So we've got to go to the Word to find out what does a good marriage look like. Because your parents may have been awesome. They may, they may have been a model of what it looks like to have a good marriage and care for each other. Till death do they part. They might have been, and yet they might have not. So you can't model yourself after them. You have to model yourself after the word, amen? Even with good parents, they weren't all perfect. We need to go to the word, fill in the gaps with the word of God. How am I supposed to act and react and treat my spouse, treat my wife in this instance? Well, my dad did this, and he was a pretty good guy. Well, maybe he was doing it wrong. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We can have success when we're working together. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 9 says this, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. But if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. It's so important that we work together. 
We work together. We make sure that we stand together, right? I mean, right here is just even a, a survival tip. Did you see this? If you lay down together, you can keep warm. I mean, that's just survival 101, right? We've all seen that. Get together and stay warm. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Especially when your, your wife, her feet are freezing ice cubes. I mean, there's a verse in here. It said, Lord, you said if we're together, she'd be warmer than this. Okay. Survival tips. We're better together. Amen. Chris, were you able to get that? Uh, were you able to get that clip or we need it? Yeah. Can you go ahead? This is a video clip. Just a, just a snippet. We're better together. Expectancy is like here. With me, it's here. Without me, here. With me, without me. With me, without me. Say it one more Your time. life expectancy is like here. With me, it's here. Without me, here. He's saying life expectancy. With me, without me. With me, <laughs> without me. That's good. Your life He's saying your life expectancy is, like with, is, is here. It's good. With me, without me. <laughs> with me, without Wives have said this to their husbands. I'm telling you right now. How did you make it to adulthood? I mean, if you hadn't married me, your life expectancy would be here. With me, it's here. Without me, it's here. I don't even know how you. I, I know, I know, I know. We're better together, amen? We're better together. So we need to make decisions together, whether that's financial, in, in our vacations, in how we spend our time, our holiday traditions, our church, our schools. Come on, we need to be together. We need to be united on these decisions. Your family traditions, your holiday traditions, which family and how much time you spend with each is important that you make these decisions. You cannot, as a spouse, unilaterally decide these things. You have to come together, amen? amen. It, it's better for your marriage. Come to an agreement, come together. It pays off so much more. Our time, how you're spending your time, your hobbies, your work, church, play. I mean, come on, fellas. And, and you know, households are different, right? They're, they're different today. So, you know, sometimes the husband's the breadwinner. Sometimes you're both working. Sometimes the wife is the breadwinner. Totally fine. God, God can work stuff out. But you got to communicate what you're doing together. And so when you get off work and you think, man, I've, I've worked all week. Now I deserve to have some me time, right? There, there's some truth to that. But if your me time is four nights a week, you're in trouble because you, you're raising a family. You got, you got a, a wife at home that needs your time and attention. She needs to see your eyeballs. Amen? And so we got to be careful. We got to talk about these things. I, there's not very many wives on the planet, spouses just in general, that would say, no, you can't. You can't have a hobby. That's not. You're, you're with me. Your hobby is me. That's it. <laughs> Most of them would say, yeah, you go ride motorcycles, go boating, go golfing, do, do something, recreate, you know, get out there, get some stuff going, right? Most of them would say, have something to do. But if you're going to do that five nights a week, we're going to have a talk. Amen? Come to, come to an agreement, man. Make sure you're spending family time. Okay. Life is better together anyway. When you, when you do life together, you pray together, you believe God together, you walk together, it's better. It's better. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Minimize your apart times as much as possible. Right? It's okay to be apart. You're apart at work. Like, given, most of the time, unless you work together, run your own business, you're apart when y'all when are working. And then you come back together and you communicate and have, have good times together. That's good. But when you are a part other than that, when you're recreating your hobbies, minimize those because we are connected together to spend time together. And it builds trust, it builds confidence, it helps your prayer life, it's all of the above. So if you have a marriage where you spend most of your time apart, whether that's work-related or work and hobby-related, I would suggest making some adjustments so that you can spend more time together. Now, Cody and I's first two years of marriage were rough. And when I say rough, I mean horrible. 
okay? Just so we're clear. We, we, we got along during the week because when we got off work, we basically ate, watched something on TV, and went to bed. But when the weekends came, Lord have mercy. We were together all the time, and we hadn't figured out how to unite and come together. And we just, there's, there's all factors in there, but it was a mess. And about the two-year mark, we started to figure it out. We can get along. We're getting, this is nice. And it t- sometimes it just takes some time, especially if you've been raising kids for a while and you've been apart for a while. Now you start making adjustments like this where you're back together, you're going to have to figure each other out. It's true, but it's worth the effort. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And we said this last week, we'll say it, or two weeks ago, the DNA of marriage is designed to work. It works. God designed it, it works. But we've got to be in the game. We've got to be there. We've got to work together, unite together, work it together. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Hebrews 13, verse 4. Hebrews 13, verse 4. Everybody still with me? Thank you, Lord. Let's talk a little bit about intimacy for a minute, because this is important. In the New King James, Hebrews 13, and this is okay that your teenagers are in here. Some of your kids probably know more about this subject already than than you probably talked to them about. So uh, I'm not going to say anything crazy, but I'm going to help. This is going to help. Everybody okay? Hebrews 13, verse 4, marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Now in the Amplified, it says this, marriage is honorable in every respect, and in particular, sex within marriage is pure, but God will indeed punish fornicators and adulterers. Now, fornication is just an old, old English term that just means you're having sex outside of marriage. Adultery means you're having sex with someone that you're not married to outside of your marriage, right? Everybody clear on these terms? It's not complicated. So in marriage... With your spouse, totally fine. God's good with that, right? Outside of that, he's not good with that in any way, shape, or form. Yay. Okay, so this is not what the world is saying at all, at all, on any channel that you turn to. They're not saying this at all. They're actually telling you the opposite, that sex in marriage is a, is a dull, boring, you mean just one person forever? That, these are the comments we get, right? And we answer, yeah, just one. No disease. Woo! That's worth it right there. Isn't it? I mean, come on now. We're being real, aren't we? It's good. It's a good thing. This, this union, when we come together as, uh, together as marriage in sex, this relationship, this intimacy is a good thing. It needs to happen in a marriage relationship, and it needs to happen frequently. We need to show the world that, that being married is the best way to go. Now, th- there are some that are gradually figuring this out. They're saying, man, you mean just one partner and they're, and they're good with this and you're, you guys are happy and yeah, yeah, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Not having your heart ripped out, giving pieces of yourself away over and over again to just random people or people you're dating or this, that, and the other. Yeah, it's wonderful. No shame, sleep good at night. They don't have to worry about text messages coming through or phone calls and hushed tones in the garage. I mean, it's, it's wonderful. Thank you, Lord. There, there, are, there are things to say about this, but, but I would encourage you um, as married folks, and I'm talking to the married folks, right? You have taken the plunge. You have made the commitment. You have signed on the dotted line that you should make this a part of your relationship that's important. And I'm not talking about, when, when you read a scripture that says the marriage bed is undefiled and, and sex in marriage is pure, it is. Uh, but we live in a world that has twisted even that and tried to uh, taint it and disrupt it and make it wicked and evil. So be careful 
what you're emulating when you're together. This is why pornography is a horrible thing. You got to get out of pornography. And I know I'm talking to some guys and some gals that are still struggling with this. And there are ways out. I'm telling you, there is freedom from that. But it will taint your relationship because you will expect things that you're not supposed to expect from your spouse. It will make it, it, will make it wrong. It'll make it unclean. It'll make it wrong, in, in, in the, even in the marriage context. It's supposed to be pure and right. Amen? Amen. So make sure you're, you're taking care of that. When you, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you this. And I can say this from experience. When you begin to intentionally cut things out of your life that shouldn't be there, whether it's porn or inappropriate movies or even just content, I mean, gosh, just Facebook and Instagram. I mean, even without nudity, it's pretty much all, you, you know, there's nothing left to be imagined, right? When you start cutting all that garbage out and focusing on your spouse, you'll be amazed, fellas, how much more attracted to them you are. They're beautiful women. Your wives are beautiful. When you put your attention just on them and the, the wife that God gave you, you'll be amazed at how your, even your physiological uh, chemical reactions, they'll change and you'll, okay, I'm just telling you the truth. It changes. It's amazing. The problem guys are having is, is that they get this image in their mind from what they're watching, what they're looking at. And when it doesn't measure up, they're dissatisfied and it causes all kinds of problems and it's not okay. When you cut that out, you'll be amazed at how your wife will just be like, she's, she's the one God gave you, fellas. She's the one. Come on now. It's, it's a good relationship. And it's supposed to be heaven on earth. But it does, it does depend on what we put our time and our attention and our thoughts and our eyes on. Thank you, Jesus. I've heard of people having marriages for three, four, five years, 10 years. No intimacy at all. Totally not okay. Right? Even, even just meandering, meandering intimacy is not okay. This should be something that we are purposeful about and approach on a regular basis. Everybody all right? Thank you, Lord. This is why sex is so downplayed in the world. Downplayed meaning it's just casual. It doesn't really mean anything. It's with, it, with whoever, however, what you think about doesn't really matter. What you watch, that doesn't matter. As long as you're faithful. No, it matters across the board. Amen. I know this is super, super fun. Um, let me make an analogy, a flying analogy. Can I do that real quick? Flying analogy? So, um, I'm learning how to fly. I'm flying with a friend that's had his license for a long time. I'm flying in the right seat, right? That's the co-pilot seat. I'm flying in the right seat, and, and he's been flying for hundreds of hours, but probably well over a 1,000 at this point. And he flies. He likes to fly in uh, canyons and through things in low and just, you know, a uh, little riskier flying than I like, but, you know, it's fun. It's fun flying. He enjoys it. And I told him, I said, when I get my pilot's license, honestly, I'm going to be the boring pilot because I, I like point A to point B, I like straight and level. I don't like the high risk stuff. I just, I just want to get to where I'm going and enjoy the scenery on the way, but I'm not going to be flying in canyons and super low over stuff and, you know, trying to set records and, you know, loop-de-loops. That's not me. That's not me. I'm a boring pilot. And he said this to me and it stuck for a long time. He says, Corey, there is no boring flying. There is no boring flying. And he's right. It's fun every single time. There's, there's challenges and thrill that come with every single flight. It's wonderful. And so, in thinking about that, um, it's, it's sometimes it's just, it's just the world trying to get us to do things that are risky, to get us outside of, the, outside of our comfort zone, outside of our box. You know, it's, it's, just, it's just plain good to have your spouse and just have the one person that you're with forever. It's okay. And the world calls that boring, and we don't. We call it awesome. Amen? Thank you, Jesus.
There's no such thing. Everybody say, there's no such thing as boring flying. Come on now. There's no such thing. You thought I was going somewhere else, didn't you? Thank you, Lord. I'll tell you this. Boring flying, quote unquote, boring flying is better than no flying at all. All right. Are you getting the analogy here? It's better than no flying at all. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. You got, we got to understand, and we know this, but we need to really put this in, in conceptualize this for, for our relationships, that guys are like race cars. Come on, zero to 60 in 4.7 seconds, I'll tell you right now. That's just how we work. And, and again, this isn't across the board, but by and large, it's, it's a, a vast percentage, right? Your wife comes by in the kitchen and just slides her hand across your side, and you're like, what, 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 what's happening? Is it Saturday already? What? I mean, come on now. You got to be real careful with your man. I'm telling you right now. But back to the flying analogy, right? When, you, when you're going to fly an airplane, you do not just hop into this Corvette and fire it up and take off down the road. When you fly in an airplane, they call it pre-flight. You walk around the airplane. You check it. You make sure that everything's there. You work the controls. You make sure that it's ready to go. And when you've checked that there's no bird's nests lodged places where they're not supposed to be and, and everything's functioning, you get in and you, you start the engine, right? And then you just sit there. You start the engine and you just sit in it and watch the needle just warm up. There it goes. Come on! You know, you just wait. And you do your checklist and you work through other stuff and you let the, the motor get up to speed and temperature and you let it get warmed up so that there's no surprises when you're starting to take off. It just, it, the ladies, it just takes you a little bit longer to get ready to fly. I'm telling you right now. Guys, you need to know this. This is a safety concern for you. I'm telling you right now. Pre-flight is safety concerns. Making sure the engine is warmed up is a safety concern. Making sure the throttle response is working correctly is a safety concern. But we got we to be willing to work with our spouses in these areas. Ladies, you got to know. He's going to read things from you when you look at him across the room that you might not intended to say. But this is how he works. He's just hoping right? And guys, you got to take your time. Pre-flight. Amen. Everybody say pre-flight. Pre-flight. Come on, fellas. Thank you, Jesus. One of the things that you check in pre-flight, and this is important, and I want to just touch on this just briefly, is when you're, when you're flying airplanes, is they have gas gauges, but some of these gauges in older airplanes are not super great. They, they give you an indication, but they're not super great. So when you're pre-flighting an airplane, you get up on the ladder, on a high wing, you get up on a ladder, low wing, you just lean over, but you take the gas cap off and you, what, what it's called, you dip the tank. You put a, a stick in the tank and you hold it up and you check it to see how much fuel's in there. Because the, the one thing as a pilot you can control for sure that you don't come out of the sky is making sure that the tanks have enough fuel in them. Amen? Yeah. Fellas, your job is to make sure your wife has enough fuel in her tank for you. Her love tank needs to be filled up. That's your job. Not her job. That's your job. You got to make sure her love tanks are full, right? Otherwise, you ain't going flying. You're grounded, buddy. You got to get you some fuel. There ain't a pilot on the planet with empty tanks is going to try to taxi out to the end of the runway and take off. Ain't going to happen. Some of y'all been on the taxiway for a long time. Tanks empty. 
All you got to do, all you got to do is get some fuel in the tanks and she'll go flying with you. Amen? Amen. You got to check the tanks. Come on, this is, this is metaphoric. It's real. It's real. You got to make sure your wife, her, her tanks are full. You've taken care of her. You've met her needs. You've connected with her emotionally and, and talked with her and worked some stuff out. Come on, she needs that from you. Amen. And I know this works in reverse, gals to the guys too. I understand this. But you've got to recognize the principles are the same. You've got to make sure that you're taking care of each other. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> A little bit of gas in the tank, short flight. Lots of gas in the tank, long flight. Many flights. I, I can fly many, many times on a full tank of gas. Okay, here we go. I just thought it applied. I thought it applied. It was applicable. I like flying. Thank you, Jesus. Let, let me define real quick what sex is not. What sex is not. Sex is not the ultimate life experience. Sex is not the ultimate life experience. It can't be. It's physical. Song of Solomon in the Bible compares sex and that intimacy to food. I'm not even kidding. Compares sex to food. That means it's here and then it's gone. This is not an ultimate life experience. Food is not an ultimate life experience. Have you figured this out? The life experiences should not be around, man, that was a great family reunion, but do you remember those ribs? <laughs> like it should be the connection, the people, the, okay, thank you, Lord. This has caused this, this ideology, this idea that sex is the ultimate life experience has caused many to be disappointed. Sex is not love. Sex is not love. It's an expression of love. But how many of you know in the Bible, the Bible says that God is love. God is love. Sex is, is an expression of love in a marriage relationship that's wonderful. It should be utilized to its full advantage, but it is not love. Come on, teens, you need to hear this. People are going to pressure you and say, if you love me, you will. They don't know what love is. They don't have a clue. Run away. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Come on. Sex was never meant to be the, the pinnacle, the height, the... It was never meant for that, ever. I mean, if you just talk to some honeymooners that saved themselves for marriage, they would say it was great, but it wasn't everything I thought it was gonna be. Anybody else? Come on now. I mean, it's, it's, it's great, but it's not the ultimate life experience. And then I'll say this, because I said it two weeks ago, sex is not a necessity. It's not a life need. Now listen to me. I wanna clarify so you hear what I'm saying. I believe in a marriage relationship. This is an important part of how we connect and we come together. God designed it this way, not just for having babies, but to make connection and draw us close together and to enjoy each other, 100%. But again, if you were in a desert and you just ran out of water, your next word should not be, if I could just be with my spouse one more time. No, you need water and food. Are you hearing me? Life needs are important. Sex is not one of them. Thank you, Lord. I knew that would go over big. So, so ladies, guys, when you're quoting this back to your spouse and you're thinking about these things, come on, don't remember this only thing. Say, he said it's not a need, so get away. Come on, this is, this is important. We understand that we're not putting so much value on this that we're missing other great parts of our relationships. Thank you, Jesus. Now, let's read 1 Corinthians 7, 4 right after that. This is important because this ties right back in. 
It says this, the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. We have to understand when you get married, come on now, the Bible says that you're giving yourself to each other. I know this went, it's going over big. I understand. But we are giving, each, giving ourselves to each other. <clears throat> that means that you're going to have to acquiesce. You're going to have to yield to your spouse on occasion. It's going to happen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. This fits with intimacy. It fits with all kinds of stuff. It fits with whether or not you want to get a tattoo. I think you should ask your spouse about that. Somebody might lose too much weight, gain too much weight. I think you need to ask your spouse about that. Might be using drugs, might be drinking, might be smoking, might be doing all kinds of stuff. Have you talked to your spouse about that? Because your body is not your own. Not just in intimacy, but all together. It is not your own. Are you hearing me? You should talk to your spouse about these situations. What are you doing? What are you doing to your body that is going to affect them? Hey, this went over big too. I knew, I knew it. I knew it. But it does matter. I mean, we are people and we do have free will. But if we want to do marriage God's way and we come together as one and we unite as one, then when you're about to do something to your body, you need to check in. I think you need to check in. If your spouse has already made it abundantly clear they're not happy with what you're doing, then you need to check yourself. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) I realize I am not the most popular person in the room right now. But this, this is important. This is important. We need to talk to each other and ask each other questions. You cannot just do whatever you want to do when you're married anymore. We've got to be careful about what we put in front of our eyes, and that includes pornography, but that also is false romance movies, love affair novels. Come on, these are false perceptions of what reality is. We've heard people say that, that my husband or my wife doesn't treat me like this couple does. Which couple? It's a couple from television. Warden June Cleaver. He, he doesn't treat me like Ward Cleaver treats June. You mean the TV show? You know, you know how, many guy, or how many marriages that guy went through? I mean, the fake isn't even, the, the real that you're saying is real, they're not even real. They're pretending. Thank you, Jesus. How about Eric and Tammy Taylor? Come on, you guys heard that one. No, Friday Night Lights. Come on, you keep, th- these couples that the world portrays—they're they're actors. Come on now. Thank you, Lord. Everybody okay? It's important that we understand that God designed sex. He designed intimacy. He designed marriage. He designed us to come together and to unite, to be united and come together. He did. He designed it this way. It's wonderful. But we got to be examples to the world around us of what this looks like right? And even as we age and we get older, come on now, it does not have to diminish. We can continue to pursue godly ways, godly God's plan as we get older and, sh- and show the next generation what it looks like to have a good marriage, not just a long one, but a good marriage. Yes? And so if we, we got to fix some things. We got to get some things right in our households so that our kids and the people that we're discipling and the kids that are around us, right? Our friends' kids that are around us can have a good example because it's already difficult to find good examples in this age, in this day. It's hard to find good marriage examples, but you can be one even if you're not related. You can be one for someone, amen? And it's important that we do that, but make sure we're doing it God's way. So last thing to the young ones. I'm gonna say this as most emphatically as I can. If you're not married, 
Do not listen to the world of how they tell you how you're supposed to date and fall in love and, and find the one. The world has no clue what they're doing. They have zero clue about what they're doing. God knows what he's doing. He will help you find a good spouse, a great spouse, and then turn it into heaven on earth if we'll follow him. But we have to do it his way. The way the world is sleep around, date a bunch, figure out what you like, and then settle on one. But don't worry. If you don't like it, you picked wrong. You can just get another one. That's the world's way. That's, and that's not God's way. So I'm telling you as youngins, come on, if you'll do it God's way first, you'll be so glad you did. Can I get an amen from those around us? You'll be so glad you did. Because now you're, now, not only are you a testimony, but you're living the example of what God intended us to live of a godly marriage and doing it God's way, following his plan, his purpose, and connecting with the right one. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, we want to chat with you and help you in your walk with God. We invite you to connect with us at wcspokane.com slash connect, and someone from our team will be in touch with you. You can also hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any new content in the future. Thanks again for joining us, and remember, Jesus is coming soon.